0: Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. Well, we are in the midst of a fantastic series here at All Nations Aurora that we have called Family Values. Family Values, because one of the mandates that's on this house is the discipleship and the strengthening and the building up of the families and the households that are represented here at All Nations Aurora. So in week one, we did a message called Built to Last where God challenged us through his word on how to not just build anything when it comes to our family or our legacies, but to build something that will last not something that will fade away, not something that's temporal, but something that has lasting power. And then last week we we talked about a big word that has a lot of people feeling a lot of ways and that's forgiveness, amen? We talked about how when it comes to our, our horizontal relationships, whether that's family or culture or otherwise, that one of the biggest things that we can do to strengthen those relationships and the value that we need to add to our lives is the power of forgiveness, because forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. And so we really uh, dug into that. I want to encourage you, if you missed any of those, you can go to our church's YouTube channel and you can watch it and catch up. So the power of this, of this, of this series is this, we are trying to live our lives in accordance with the Bible. Isn't that a novel idea? We are working hard. That's what the word values comes from. The word value means a set of standards and principles for our behavior. And so where do we get those standards and principles from? Well, for us that have surrendered our life to Jesus, the only place that we should be getting it from is him. And so that's why we're taking uh, this deep dive into what type of values should we be having inside of our family units. Now family could be a lot of things. It could be a husband and a wife and kids. It could be one parent and kids. It can be a single person. You could be divorced. You could be a widow. Whatever your makeup is, that's your family. And God has values that he wants you to place inside of your family. And kind of the hallmark verse of this whole series that we've been walking through is Jeremiah 6 and 16. It says, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. How many of you know that in our our world today, we're kind of at a crossroads? There's a whole lot going on, whether that's from a health standpoint, whether that's from a political standpoint, whether that's from a socioeconomic standpoint. I feel like we are standing at a crossroads in a lot of ways and God is saying, stand at the crossroads and look around. Look around. Now, what the prophet Jeremiah was doing right here, he was talking to the people of Judah because they had gotten off the path and God was sending a warning through him to say, listen, you all need to stop and look around. When we teach our kids how to walk out in the world, we tell them what? Don't just run into the street, right? When you get to a corner, you're supposed to what? Stop and look both ways. What are you looking for? danger you have to assess the situation in order to make the decision as to whether or not it's a good idea to proceed and so that's what the prophet is calling us to do and in a lot of ways there are a lot of attacks and a lot of redefining trying to go on when it comes to our family and we're going to have to sit here and and we're going to have to be at the crossroads and it continues on it says ask for the old godly way and walk in it other versions call it the ancient way How many know that sometimes when we look at old or when we look at ancient, we think antiquated, out of date, not feasible for the current times. But this word is telling us that, you know, it's something about the old way that you might want to hold on to because have you ever heard the phrase, they don't make them like this no more? Right? Right? When it comes to furniture, for example, a lot of times in the old days they used real raw materials that had a sturdiness, a sturdiness to it that could last for generations. I have furniture in my house right now that's from the 50s and the 60s and it's more in shape than the furniture I bought five years ago. Why? Because the materials and the makeup was built to last and it had a sturdiness. So sometimes the old way isn't out of date. The old way is where we find stability. The old way is where we find strength. The old way is where we find a firm foundation to build upon. And so that's what we are doing in this series. We are at a crossroads. We are trying to look at the ancient way to figure out, okay, how does God Come on, how does God want me to go about this? How does God want me to love my spouse? How does God want me to love my children? How does God want me to show up in my neighborhood and on my job? We are looking at the ancient way. In Jeremiah, in this same book in the 18th chapter and 15th verse it says, because this is what happens when we decide to do anything other then submit and walk in the ancient way. It says, but my people are not so reliable for they have deserted me and they burn incense to worthless idols. Worthless idols. Come on, we burning sage. Come on, we talking to the universe. Come on, we talking to a Van Zandt. Worthless. <laughs> worthless. <laughs> worthless idols. We're getting, we're, we're, we're getting our relationship advice from people who've been divorced four times. We're learning how to date from people who have spent the last 30 years without a spouse. Why would you get advice from somebody who's been dating for 30 years? Ain't caught nothing. Worthless idols. Worthless idols. He's saying this is what happens when we depart, when we choose, because you know it's a choice. That's why we're supposed to step to the crossroads and look and then find the ancient way and then it says walk. All those are action words. Stop, look, walk. It's up to you, it's up to me to make the right decisions as to who we're going to submit to because when we, when we, when we burn our incense to worthless idols, we, 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 we stumble off the ancient paths and end up in muddy paths, dirty, filthy, unclean, why? Because we decided in our hearts that we were not going to do what the Word told us to do. That's the bad news, but here's the good news. God's grace is still alive and well for us today. Come on, somebody, that's good news. That even if we did stumble off the path and ended up in a muddy place, that God's grace is still active, still sufficient to clean us up. We still have a chance to get back to where he wants us to go. And so today we're gonna be taking a look at a, a, a different perspective we want to have a conversation about thinking, operating, moving in a generational mentality. And here's why in Psalms and 78, because God has a plan that supersedes us. He says, we will not hide these truths from our children. Right, because God is a generational God. He's not going to bless us, deal with us, clean us up, deliver us, set us free with only ourselves in mind. He says, we will not hold these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. Come on, do you know the best thing you can do for your family is continuously brag on God in front of them? You can continuously tell them just how good God has been, just how wonderful He is, like that's the best impartation you can give to your job. We do a good job of of telling our kids, yo, you need to get good grades so that you can get in a good school and so that you can get a good job. We prepare them for how they're supposed to have good manners and hey, don't embarrass me when we're out in public. When I tell, don't, don't touch nothing at the stove. Don't touch nothing. Like we teach them behavior, we teach them to think differently about education, some of us teach them about the importance of entrepreneurship, but but are we teaching them just how good God is? How much energy are we spending just talking about the goodness of God? (laughs) And here's why we need to do it, so the next generation might know them. If you don't tell them how good God is, they won't know. They won't know. And it doesn't stop there. It says, even the children not yet born. So some of y'all got kids that are yet to come that you need to be preparing an inheritance and a legacy for and a spiritual foundation for even now. You don't have to wait until the delivery day. You can be building a firm foundation that will bless them even now. And so today's message is titled, It Runs in the Family. It Runs in the Family. You know, last week uh, Eric was here and he was singing and he came up up to me after service and said, man, I met your mom. I was like, oh, for real? Cool. He was like, she had a mask on, but when I saw her eyes, I knew that had to be your mama, right? Because it, it kind of runs in the family. You can, you, can, you can see similarities when people are related, and, and then you go to like big family events, you say, oh, cousins got that and, and that and the other, and you see the similarities in the family. Those are physical traits. But how many of us know that we can build in spiritual traits into our family to where, where, where ministry, it, it runs in the family, where a strong prayer life runs in the family, the ability to prophesy, it runs in the family. It runs in the family, but it starts with us. So my challenge today It's for us to develop a generational mentality by which we will be able to leave a legacy here, a spiritual one, that people are blown away by how God has affected your whole bloodline. Come on, we know about spiritual curses, but how many of you know that there are, excuse me, generational curses, but how many of us know that there are generational blessings available too? We don't have to just be known all of us got short tempers. Hmm? We don't have to just be known all of us have been in poverty. We've been in poverty for seven generations. That's just what we are. How many of us know that we can be blessed for generations? How many of you know that we can be a generation of preachers? How many of you know that we can be a generation of business owners, a generation of givers? What type of generational legacy do you want to build? So we're going to take a look at the power of generations. There are three thoughts I want to leave you with and when it comes to generations. And the first thing about our current setup and our situation is that we are a dynamic generation. We are a dynamic generation, meaning there's a lot going on in our world right here and right now, and God gives a preview of how this looks. In Exodus 3 and 15, he said, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Sometimes we just read stuff and think that it's just words. But what God was speaking to, he was identifying himself as a God of generations. He was speaking to a family, a three-generational pathway to that, the, and, and he was saying the fact that I'm the God of all of these multiple generations. What will God say about you generation, th- three generations from now? Will he say, I'm the God of you, I'm the God of your child, and the God of your grandchild? Will that be your testimony? So let's, let's look at uh, uh, this, this three-generational situation here. First we have Abraham. He was 175 years old now listen i want to live a long life but 175 i don't know what that's gonna feel like what that's gonna look like i don't know if i want to do 175 and then we had isaac he even beat his dad isaac was here for 180 years come on somebody that's a long say that's a long time pastor And then we get to Jacob, and he lived for 147 years. I don't know what happened. I don't know if too much fast food or we kind of went in a different direction with Jacob. (laughs) But, but, But the most important part of this is the fact that he was a God that was present in the overlap, right? That's what God is speaking to when he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because there's a period where all three of them were on the earth at the same time. And so when we have that, we have the ability to influence up, down, left and right within the legacy of, of our households. And, um, um, now let's, let's look at us, right? That's a biblical example. I don't know if you know this, but right now in 2022, there are more generations alive at the same time than ever before in history. Okay, so the first generation, let me know if if you're in this generation. The first generation is the silent generation. And that's anybody born from 1928 to 1945. I know we got at least one. Is there any other, is there any silent generation? I heard one, thanks mom. Okay, all right, how about this? Baby boomers, 1946 to 1964, any baby boomers? Come on, make some noise baby boomers. Represent your generation. We're glad to have y'all. Next generation is Generation X, 1965 to 1980. Generation X, where you at? All right, all right. Now here's where the controversy starts. The Millennials. That's from 1981 to 1996. And then we got one more generation. Generation Z is 1997 and after. Is any Generation Z in, in the building? All right, we got one. Can we make some noise? We got Generation Z in the back. Right here, Generation Z. Come on, let's make some noise and let them know we're glad that they are in church today. They could be in a lot of places. <laughs> so like, like when, we, when we think about these facts that there are currently in the earth five different generations alive at the same time is it any wonder why there's so much confusion (laughs) because there there's this overlap between all these generations that are happening at the same time can you imagine a house where you had five generations of people all in the same house trying to navigate life at the same time But the thing about it is that that we can either look at this as as a place of confusion or a place of opportunity, right? Because if there are five generations currently in my household or in my family that's still alive, man, that's an opportunity to shape a legacy for generations to come. There's so many different conversations that I can have with grandparents and great-grandparents and nephews and nieces that can help change the trajectory of our last name the second point is that we are a diverse generation we are a diverse generation because what we have to understand is because of the generation that we were born into we kind of grew up differently we kind of had a different set of standards and a different set of values that has caused us to look at things much differently. For example, when it comes to the silent generation and the boomer generation and even generation X, we all kind of, those three generations kind of all grew up the same way. Life was at a at kind of a slow pace. Come on, does anybody remember that? The slow pace, right? When I grew up, listen, listen, this is gonna blow you away. I had a phone that plugged into the wall, huh? does anybody remember phones in walls i mean my mama still got one right we had we had the we had the rotary phone we had this gold rotary. y'all don't even know what that is listen you have to stick your finger in one of the holes that represented the first number that you wanted in the phone number and turn it and then wait for it to come back around before you can go to the next number and you had to do that don't let it don't let it be a different uh area code now you gotta One Seven, seven, three And you gotta gotta wait till that thing come back around You can't speed your way through this process There are numbers that you have to dial (laughs) For these generations Faith was a shared value Now that doesn't mean that everybody had the same faith But everybody had a value Of faith in their life We all shared that and we all had a high value of trust. People trusted people back then. Now, that doesn't mean everybody trusted everybody. But in comparison, there was a high value of trust. People had their doors unlocked. Huh? Yeah. Hmm? There wasn't no car alarms. There wasn't no house alarms. Everybody had the screen door open, let the fresh air in. Wasn't worried about nothing because we trusted people. And, and when it came to morality, there, there was a, a high moral standard. We weren't going for just anything. You couldn't put just anything on the radio, you couldn't just put anything on the TV because there was a high moral standard. But that, that changed and shifted a little bit in, in the latter two generations with the millennials and the Gen Z and, and the point of pointing this out is so that we can all kind of understand each other a little bit better because the goal is to come together And if we don't understand each other and what we came up in and what we have walked through, then we cannot agree. So for the millennials and the Generation Z, they grew up in a much faster paced world. Not by no choice of their own. It's just when they got here, the world was moving way faster. Through all the technological advances that was going on, you didn't have to wait. Come on, microwave. everybody ain't have a microwave back in the day. They got microwaves now. They got uh, Instapots. Come on, you got a whole three-course meal in seven minutes. <laughs> Faith. It's kind of at the margins, right? It's not necessarily, we, we were talking about, we were singing about Jesus at the center of our lives, but it's kind of not that way generationally speaking. These are kind of broad strokes. Obviously it doesn't apply to everybody in each generation, but if we look at things globally, faith is not necessarily at the center of things anymore because you can believe what you believe and I can believe what I can believe or I can believe nothing at all. It's much more common to be there. Trust is at an all-time low. People don't trust people no more. That could be with the advent of of technology. We've seen some things online. We've had some stories uncovered. And it has caused trust to be broken all over the place. And if you look at morality, it's it's not as high as it used to be. Now, morality is a tricky word because We believe as people of faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to just be a Christian for us to value you, right? We believe that everybody ever created is the Imago Dei, which is the image bearer of God. And so everybody that was ever created has value. But where we get tricky and things get murky is when we now devalue the ideas and the opinions of other people. And so this is why This tolerance can be tricky, because now we have statements like love is love. Now we have uh, uh, ideas that are different, and if you have an idea that I don't agree with, you demonize me. Oh, y'all must be the ones demonizing, because (laughs) y'all. Just go back and scroll and look at everybody's conversation about what happened at the Oscars last week. Hold people to unfriended people over over two people that they ain't never met. Over two people who ain't thinking nothing about them. But because you disagree with me, we can't be friends, block. Because we don't have tolerance anymore. We don't have the space for people to have their own opinions because The diversity has come in to such a degree that now, ideas have to align in order for us to align. I'm not so sure that that's biblical. And the third thing is that we are a disconnected generation. Right? We plug in online way more than we plug in in person. Even if we're all sitting in the same house, even if we're sitting across the table from each other at a restaurant, We are more disconnected now than we have ever been before. In Judges in 17 to six it says, in those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Man, doesn't that sound familiar? Even though that was thousands of years ago, I really feel like that's a description of where we're at today. People are doing, that's inside the church, come on, and outside the church, people are doing whatever is right in their own eyes. Can I help you real quick? When you do things that are right in your own eyes, you are setting yourself up for destruction. There's a reason that Jesus came, died, rose again, because we need him to be our standard setter. Our eyes aren't what we should use to set our standard. Because it's based on our heart which is evil and deceitful according to the Bible. Because we don't have it in us to set our own standard, it's imperative that we find a standard under the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ to live our lives according to. I want to share something with you, it's a quote from an anthropologist named Margaret Mead and an anthropologist is a person that studies humans and human behavior and human connectivity. It's a very troubling statement if you if you take your time to digest it. It says throughout human history in all cultures parents and grandparents have helped their young understand life and the future. However, I anticipate that a time is coming where technology and culture changes so fast that for the first time in human history, children will have to figure out for themselves what their values will be. Children will have to figure out for themselves what their values will be. Here's something I didn't tell you about this. This was written in the 60s. It was a preview of what we're currently standing inside of. That children are now figuring out their own moral standards because they're getting hit and inundated with so much information from so many different directions. And we're so busy at work and in ministry that we don't have the time to have the conversations with the kids ourselves. And so they are forming their own set of values. Luke 10 and 2 says, this, these were his, his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. And sometimes we, we, we use this scripture in the context of outreach, of, of impacting a community, or impacting a region, or impacting the world. We're world changers, right? Because, because the workers are few and the harvest is plenty, but, but what if the harvest is inside your house? What if the harvest is inside your body? Are you willing to put in the work that's required in your home? Are you willing to put in the work that's required in your mirror? Because that's a harvest too. And we need to have a hold of that thought if we are going to build through the lens of a generational Mentality. Remember that, that today's message it, it runs in the family. And so it can't just stop with you, but it does have to start with you. Uh, uh, Paul helps us in our, in our thought process in 1 Corinthians 11 and 23. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Himself. I pass on to you from what I received from the Lord himself. Now that word receive is not passive. It's very, very aggressive. So in other words, it's not as though you ordered something from Amazon and you're just standing by and waiting for it to show up at you, you're waiting to receive what you ordered. But it's more like, has anybody, I know uh, I got a couple Christians in here. So (laughs) has anybody been in the middle of a fast and every food commercial that comes on looks amazing stuff you don't even eat all of a sudden man i'm getting that as soon as this fast over with Ooh, yep i'm getting that you don't even like shrimp but all of a sudden i'm going to red lobsters they put an s at the end I'm going to red lobsters as soon as this fast is over with, right? So when you eat, that's a type of receiving too. That's more akin to what Paul is saying, because when you eat something, that becomes a part of you, right? When we eat our food, it becomes a part of who we are. And so that's what he's saying, what he received from the Lord himself, Is what he then is passing on. So in other words, if you don't receive anything, you don't have anything to give. And so that's why I said that in order to build from a generational mentality, in order for for, for people to say that it, it runs in the family, it starts with your ability and the attentionality and the emphasis that you put on your receiving from the Lord himself. In another place it's still Paul is in Second Timothy 2 and 1. He's talking to his protege, Timothy, who he, he's planting into a church. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Here it is. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Say pass them on. Now that word in the original language, again, it's not a aggressive throwing, right? Not pass like in the sense of a ball where you throw it to someone. It's more like think of a deposit at a bank, right? When you, when you drive up to your Chase or your Bank of America, you don't drive and just throw the money like, hey, put that in there. No, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a caution, right? We're talking about money, this my, is this my paycheck. I need it into the account, right? So the pass is more like a deposit where you take your time and you fill out the slip, you make sure you put all the numbers because there's 511 numbers for your bank account, you wanna make sure, da, 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 da. you gotta sign it, make sure the date, make sure you wrote the deposit in the right place on the paper and then you drive up and, and, and they send the thing and then you put it in and you wait for confirmation. You need that little receipt to make sure that, you, that, that, that the deposit went through And that your account was benefited as a result of the intentionality that you put behind the deposit. So when Paul is encouraging us through what he's telling Timothy to pass it on, there's an intentionality and there's a caution behind it. It's not something that you just do real quick. It's not something that you just do every now and then, but there, there's an intention behind it because you see the value and what it is that you're passing on. Uh, um, and so here's the two-pronged thought to help us to realize how do we build from a generational mentality. The first part is We personally receive from God and we intentionally pass on to others. I'll say it again. We personally, you personally receive from God. So when you personally receive from God, you're not going off what you heard. You're not going off what happened to someone else you're postured to personally hear and learn from the Lord himself. That's part one. And then part two is based on your ability to personally receive from the Lord, then you take what you personally receive and you pass it on to others. This is challenging because it means that you have to be intentional about your devotional time with the Lord. You cannot be dependent on me or the children's ministry to pass it on to your family. Because what you personally receive is the only thing that you can give out. So if you're not taking the time to intentionally receive, then you don't have the capacity to intentionally pass it on. And so there's three questions. If you wanna do this, if you want it to be said from a spiritual standpoint that it runs in the family, there are, there are three questions you're gonna have to answer. You're gonna have to help those that, that are in your, in your family, in your household, in your community, in your sphere of influence answer. And the first question is this, what is truth? There's such an assault on what truth is. They like to say the truth is relative, right? What's true for you is true for you, But what's true for me is also true for me, which doesn't make sense because if what I believe is that what you believe is a lie, then how can both of us have a truth? But they'll use lofty words and they're very articulate and and they are going to target even in the school system to redefine what truth is to your kids. But you have to be in position to answer what is truth, If we look at John in 18 and 37, Pilate said, so he's talking to Jesus as as Jesus was on his way to, to give his life, so you're a king? Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born, actually I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize what I say is true. Pilate's response was, what is truth? There's so many people asking what is truth. So how do we find the answer? Because this is a prevalent question. Even people who grew up or raised in church are now in the process of what is known as deconstruction, where they are taking a, a new look at what they believe about their faith And they're going on a new discovery as to whether or not what they believe is true. And so uh, uh, the Apostle John, he gives us a clue in John 17 and 17. He says, "This this is John, but this is Jesus talking. And Jesus is talking to his heavenly father because he's currently at the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's about to be arrested. And so he's praying this prayer for us. Before he leaves, he says, he's talking to God, his father. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is true. This is the truth. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. See, I do not teach that no more. I still remember that from being a kid. I know that sounds weird, but I'd rather be weird right now. And so they have now made us the weirdos, the people that believe that this is the truth, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> Are you gonna be okay that they think that you're weird, that you believe this and that you're trying to teach your kids this? So many of us wanna be accepted and so many of us wanna be relevant that we, we, we try to hide certain aspects of what, of what we believe so that we can fit in. Man, I'm gonna wave this everywhere I go. I'm gonna operate on this wherever I go. And either you with me or you not, but I still love you the same, but you're not gonna take my gaze off this truth because this is the truth. One of the things that, that I'm gonna focus in here on, on a certain demographic of people that I, 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 I believe that I am called to in a special way, and that's men. The burden of this is on fathers more than ever before. I found this quote to back me up. This is some research. If a family member comes to Christ, the influence they have on the rest of their family come into Christ. Wife, 18%, kids, 22%. But if a father comes to Christ, chance of converting others in that household. And so men, we can no longer look to our wives, look to our mama, big mama, Medea. It has to start with us. We are the most influential part of our households by design so we don't get to opt out we don't get to be passive (laughs) we have to personally receive so that we can intentionally pass on if we want it to be said of us that it runs in the family that faith Man, it runs in that family. That giving, man, it runs in that family. That serving, man, it runs in that family. Men, we got to look in the mirror. Starts with us. Question number two: Where do I belong? You have to. You have to help people answer this question. Where. Do I belong? Because there is a very real sense. Remember, we are more disconnected than we've ever been. There is a real sense and a real longing that people have to belong. No matter what. Listen, I want to be totally clear. I was a very imperfect child growing up. Right, I did what I did, but I knew where I belonged. My mom and my dad made sure that I knew that home was home. I got reprimanded, I got corrected, but it was never any doubt where home was. One of the best things you can do for your family, for your kids, for your spirit of influence is to make people feel that they belong. There's a peace and a settledness that comes when no matter what, you know where to go when you've lost your way. Uh, uh, Ty and, and the kids and I we went to a to a water park last week because the kids were on spring break and we were trying to give them a, a sense some sense of normality in the midst of everything that was going on and, and we got to the hotel and it's this hotel part and then there's a water park part and so I was like man I don't know what a room is I don't know what a water park is and one of the best things they gave us was a map and on that map it says you are here and because I knew where I was I could compare it to where I was trying to go and I could find my way because I knew where I was. And so because our goal is to build something through the lens of a generational mentality, we have to let people know that they belong. Now, I know when we're in the midst of this this series and we're talking about family, and for some, that word family is a trigger because you didn't grow up in the best of situations. The word family doesn't have this flowery meaning to you. Maybe it's a picture of abuse, of neglect, but we want you to know something that no matter what your upbringing was, there's a family of believers. The kingdom of God that has a place for you and that you are accepted no matter what you've been through. No matter what you've done, contrary to the Bible or contrary to the standards of God, you have a place inside of this spiritual, all nations of war welcomes you. You might be saying, I I gotta get my life together. No, 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 you're welcome now. You're welcome just as you are. Come on church, we can do better than that. There might be some people here that don't feel as though they have what it takes to belong and we need you to know you belong. You belong. Belong, here's some proof, Psalm 68 and 6, God places the lonely in families. And you need to know the truth that you have a family here. You may not have a family there, but you have a family here. The third question that that you need to help people answer within your sphere of influence, within your family is this, does my life matter? Yeah, suicide rates are through the roof. Yeah, through the last couple of years, uh, uh, counseling has gone through the roof, right? In many instances, you can't even find a therapist because they're too booked up. Because people are are wondering, man, does, does my life matter? And the enemy is just pressing on that. He's loving it, making people think that they don't have any value that what happened to them was something that they deserved, because they don't have value, because they're worthless. Some of us look, dress it up real good, look strong, act strong, but inside crumbling, inside feeling less than valuable, falling apart, but can't tell anybody because we're the strong one. Can't tell anybody because I got too many people depending on me. I I, I just gotta keep it together. I gotta keep it going. We've been thrust into adulthood at 12. And we've just been running ever since, trying not to drop all the plates that I'm holding on to. Ephesians 2 and 10 says this, here's the truth about who you are, for we are God's masterpiece. If you hear anything contrary to that in your heart, that's the devil. (laughs) When you start to doubt who you are that did not come from heaven, when you start to assess your rap sheet, your resume of sin, and you hold it up and you just stare at it and you you start to tell yourself that you're unworthy, that's not God. Remember, what is truth? It's in his word, and his word says you. That word you, And every language means you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that means that even though you have some bad things in your old, it says that you can be made anew in Christ Jesus. Jesus. That means all that other stuff becomes irrelevant. All that other stuff becomes null and void because you have become new in Christ Jesus. I'm glad there's a couple of us that still remember what it was like back there. That a couple of us still remember how good it feels to be made anew. You should be able to encourage somebody that, I, listen, I don't even care what you did last night. You can be made Anew. See, that's what happens when you, when, you, when you are intentional about personally receiving. You're able to give it to somebody who's on the brink of giving up. But if you come into contact with that person who's on the brink of giving up and you have nothing to give, then you have wasted the opportunity. And that's why it's so important that you go on your personal journey to fill up on God's Word. Fill up on the presence of the Holy Ghost. Fill up so that you can not be fat, not be puffed up, but so that you can give and pass it on to someone else. The question you have to ask yourself is, what do you believe is the truth? What do you believe God is saying about you? What do you believe God is saying about your family? Some of us feel like maybe it's too late. My kids are grown or my kids are teenagers or 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 i don't have kids at all so this can't be applicable to me that's a lie because god didn't create none of us on accident none of us are here by happenstance none of us are here without a purpose So as we close, this is the thought that you need to remember. In order for us to build through a generational mentality, we personally have to receive from God. We intentionally give to others. If you're running around trying to figure out what's my purpose, why am I here? It's because God wants to personally give you something that he wants you to pass on to others. Parents, you can't afford not to do this. Grandparents, you can't afford not to do this. Uncle and auntie, you can't afford not to do this. Godparents, you can't afford not to do this. This is why you're here. We don't come to church just to come to church, just to say we came. I went to church Sunday. Yeah, it was cool. But there's a point, there's a a purpose to picking up this book every single day, asking God to reveal his truth to you so that you can get to a place to where you become a picture to fill others up. And guess what? Sometimes you're going to need to be filled up. See, we don't show up here to create this, this spiritual social club that makes us better than other people. If you think that's what it is and you've completely missed the point, that's called pride. And that's not something you want to run in the family. What you want to run in the family is humility. What you want to run in the family is discipleship. What you want to run in your family is submission. What you want to run in your family is faith. What you want to run in your family is being a giver. These are spiritual disciplines that you want to be known by. But it starts with you, not the person next to you. It starts with you. How intentional are you with receiving from the Lord? How intentional are you with surrendering to him daily, like giving him each day, asking him to influence each day, to help you to operate inside of each day? Or do we just wake up and go and give God the leftovers? That's gonna determine what you're building. Because he's not the God of you, he's the God of generations. He has multiple generations in mind when he created you. And so you have to have multiple generations in mind as you proceed through this life. That's why we started with that, with that verse that told us that we arrive at this crossroad and we're supposed to stop, look around, find the ancient way, and walk in it. Those are all decisions, all choices that are individual. And guess what? We don't have to do it alone. God has assured us That as we submit and as we surrender and as we go, he's gonna go with us. A lot of us hear this and be like, man, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. I ain't no Bible teacher. How am I? Listen, you don't have to be. He's not asking you to become this perfect version of you. You'll never be. He's asking for you to be the surrendered version of you. And he will help you. You don't have to go to seminary like Alan. Although seminary is cool. But you can just open up the Bible and just say, Lord, what does this mean? You want to get super undeep? You can Google stuff. What does the Bible say about faith? What does the Bible say about parenting? What does the Bible say about conflict? Don't be too proud to Google. Listen, All Nations of War is a place that will leave, have you leave encouraged, but we also gonna have you leave equipped. We're not just gonna be a feel good church. We're gonna tell you what to do, and then it's gonna be up to you to go do it. So go ahead, Google. You got my permission. And then learn something, receive it, and allow it to become a part of you. Receive it in an aggressive way, so that as you receive, it becomes a part of you, that it changes you, and then in turn, it begins to change the people around you. It's a choice, it's a decision, and it's gonna take you being intentional. This will not happen accidentally. Three generations from now, people won't be testifying of what you built based on a bunch of random acts. They'll be speaking to what you intentionally built within the hearts and the souls of the people that God gave you influence over. You need to know that, but you need to know that he's with you. He's here to guide you, to help you and to make sure that you're able to walk you out. God doesn't call us, instruct us, encourage us to do anything outside of our ability to get it done. There'll be a part that we have to play, and then there's a part that He's gonna play. But He will not play His part without you first playing yours. He will not play His part outside of your willingness to play yours. So are you willing to play your part? Simple question. Are you willing to imperfectly pursue him? Are you willing to imperfectly submit to him? Are you willing to imperfectly place your life under his lordship? That's all he's asking. That's all he's requiring. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. That's all he's asking for. He's not asking for you to have it all figured out. He's asking for you to allow him to help you to get it figured out. Now there may be some people here who are at a place that looks very, very, very much like a crossroad. And they're trying to figure out, do I go left? Do I go right? You're trying to figure out, how do I do this thing? How do I give my life to be under the Lordship of Jesus? Or for some of us, how do I get back? I did fall off, I, I am in a muddy place. I did lose sight of the old ancient way. How do I get back? there's good news? It's not as hard as you think. I'm going to ask for every eye to be closed, every head bowed, and we're just going to pray. But before we pray, is there anybody who finds themselves in one of those two categories? I need to give my life to Jesus, or I need to recommit my life to Jesus. If that's you, I'm not going to have you come up or do anything, but can you just slip your hand in the air as a public declaration to the Lord, like, Lord, I'm ready. I see you. Thank you. I need to get back on the path. fell off. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Or I need to, I need to be made anew in Christ Jesus. This is is a crossroads moment where you get to decide, yes, 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 it's time. I've had enough. I've done enough. I've tried enough. And I'm ready to try this. Amen. So we're going to pray. There were a few people who had their hand raised and they want to be made anew in Christ. So I'm gonna ask us all as a church family because everybody belongs here. Everybody's welcomed here. We're all gonna pray this prayer as a family. Can we do that church? Okay. Say, Lord. Here I am. I surrender to you. I'm a sinner in need of salvation. I recognize that you are the son of God and that you came and died for my sins. And on the third day, you got up out that grave and I got out that grave with you. And in this moment, I surrender my life to you. I wanna be your child and I want you to be my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, that's good news. Are y'all excited for them? I'm excited for them. Come on, come on, come on, come on. That's what they're doing in heaven. They're rejoicing. They're rejoicing. Yes. God did it. God did it. That's such good news. Man. Don't you remember when you first gave your life to the Lord? That was such good news. Don't ever lose sight of that feeling. Celebrate that God is still saving souls. God is still accepting people into his beloved family. That's good, good, good news. We always like to make space for prayer because we don't know what you came in here with. We don't know what you've been up against pushing your way through for weeks. But we always wanna have an altar here where some of our prayer team members can walk with you through prayer, whatever your prayer need is. Maybe this thing right here is really challenging you because you want to build a family legacy with generations in mind. Maybe you've only been thinking about the here and now. And maybe this is like, man, I need to do this, but I'm not sure how to do this. I could really use some prayer about this. I want my household to be known for the things of God. I want people to look at us, my family, and say, man, them spiritual gifts, they run in the family. That strong faith, it runs in the family. So if you need prayer for anything, please come. I told you, we're family here. We don't got no judgment. We don't keep no, no, no record of wrongs. We just came to help you get free. We just came to help you walk this thing out. And we love you. And you need to know that. So if you need prayer at any time, Even after we dismiss, our team is here and we would love to pray with you. Can we all stand? As you go into this week, let the Lord go with you. Let the Lord go before you. Submit what you learned today to him. Don't try to do it in your own strength. I don't care how long you've been in church. Do not try to do this in your own strength. Say, Lord, help me walk this out. Can y'all do that for me this week? Say, Lord, help me to walk this out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we honor you today because you're amazing. We honor you today because you're worthy of it. We give you the praise and the honor today because we owe you that. Father, I ask that um, as you spoke to the hearts of your children today that you continue to walk with them as they exit, that they continue to surrender and submit to you, and that they'll be known for the things of you. For generations to come, people will say, man, it runs in the family. And everything that they're talking about is those things that you deposited into each household, each bloodline represented here today. Help them to not walk in their own strength, uh, not in accordance with their own understanding, but that in all their ways that they acknowledge you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you. See you next week. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.